Let's take a little time to reveal The prehistoric stories that the earth once concealed Mix them all together on this ancient land It's time to spread some paleo jam Hello and welcome to another episode of the Paleo Jam podcast. I am the host, Michael Mills, and you can probably hear some murmuring sounds in the background. We are at the Wavell Showgrounds, and um, that's the sound of some kids being called to their school. Uh, we are at the Wavell Showgrounds, and we are here as part of the... Um, STEM day out for schools and when I say we that would be Michael Mills and Tom Romando who's professor of geology and geochemistry and professional lead for STEM at the University of South Australia. G'day Tom. Michael pleasure to be here. It is and um, one of the great things about being in a live space like this we've got a whole bunch of students that are kind of meandering in and out and walking past and of course from time to time there will be those little announcements. Um, so we will navigate our way through that. Okay, Professor of Geology and Geochemistry. I always talk about geology, of course, as being one of the sciences that when you mix it up with a bunch of other sciences, creates paleontology. So, so <laughs> when you jam it together, you mean? When you, when, you, when you mix it together, when you, in fact, geology is a subset of paleontology. Am I right? <laughs> Um, I am prepared to accept that for the purposes of this podcast. For the purposes of this podcast, you are prepared to accept that. Okay, so there are a whole bunch of things that we can talk about with geology. But first up, I want to ask you, what was it about geology? What is it about the stories in the rocks? Because there's a really interesting saying um, that uh, the water and the wind forget, but the rocks remember. So I... what was it about geology for you? Couldn't have put it better, really. I think. I mean, I think that's actually one of the one of the really key things about an event like today is inspiring people to take up versions of science that they've never been exposed to. Because I was never actually exposed to geology as a student. I never did it at high school or primary school or anything like that. It was a fluke. So how did how do you get from not doing anything to do with geology to becoming a professor of geology and <laughs> geochemistry and professional lead for STEM at the University of South Australia? With some good fortune, perhaps. I, honestly, it was taking um, taking a, taking a punt when I started uni. I did a bachelor of science, chose geology as one of the one of the flavours of science that I wanted to give a go, and never turned back. Really, I think I think what was attractive about it is that. I did chemistry and physics and so on at, at school and enjoyed it, but didn't see myself as being a pure chemist or a, a pure physicist, someone that worked in a lab, that sort of thing. I love the outdoors. I, I love nature. I wanted to be out there amongst it. And geology gave you a chance to combine those fields with that, that passion, I guess, because geochemistry is a real thing. Geophysics is a real thing. These are just applied versions of 
those um, physical sciences. So it was the perfect combination for me. And I guess interesting that it's that thing of you, you picked it up at, at uni as one of a number of subjects and and this is not an uncommon story. Not at all, no. Where if, if you're going to do a Bachelor of Science, you do you start off with a few different things uh, uh, or a Bachelor of Arts or any of those kind of general generalist degrees. You start that degree and you then amongst the suite of See what things happens. <laughs> amongst the smorgasbord of things that happens you finally or suddenly find something that just resonates for you and clicks and goes for that well, so, I, I was even more indecisive because I did a double degree with arts so I really had no idea what so I wanted to do it took you a while to kind of hone in on that okay Tom so um, and you your geology study was here in South Australia it was yes Okay, and I want to come to that because South Australia is a remarkable geological wonderland. Can I call it that? You can. I can, I can call it that because... I think that's fair. There, there, there are um, a whole bunch of really cool geological places um, that you can go to. Um, here in Metropolitan, South Australia, Metropolitan Adelaide, you can, you can walk down the street to Hallett Cove. Yes. What's at Hallett Cove? And so why you're does about it yeah, you're only about 20 minutes from the CBD there, and you've got something that is internationally recognised as a an incredible glacial landscape, really. So dating back to well, if it's at its earliest, about 600 million years ago, in terms of the sediments that were deposited there. Um, and that's then a, that's a long time ago, isn't it? You say that it's not actually that long in the context of the history of the Earth. Of course, we've got four and a half billion years to deal with, but. But it is—it's pretty long it's, compared it's, to our human it, existence. Yeah, and it's really hard for us as humans to get our heads around that. Yeah. Okay, so back to Hallett Cove. So yeah, this this classic glacial landscape—one that was recognised as such um, by by Professor Ralph Tate, of course, from the University of Adelaide at the time—a professor who did exactly what we do now, still as students, take people down, wandering the coast and looking at the geology and trying to interpret it and. Um, it, it was the very first time that that glacial event had been recognised in the Southern Hemisphere. Some beautiful um, glacial features that you can see observed in there on the shore platform. Yeah, uh, so there, were those, there, was, there were those scratch marks. Yeah, the striations. So what do they them. tell us? Well, basically, they're the, they're the imprint of the glacier as it moves along the landscape, kind of gouging and scraping its way along um, to, to cause all these imprints. So you, you rarely see these things preserved so well. And they're beautifully exposed as this polished and, and grooved pavement at the top of Black Cliff, which is um, the lookout at Hallett Cove. Yeah, and, and, and so Hallett Cove, and then we've got the Adelaide Hills, and then we go up through the Flinders Ranges, Adnyamatna country, Akarula. Um, what, what's the connection between... Because it looks to be like this continuous bunch of hills, like the yes. Adelaide Hills and the Flinders and Akarula. Is it? all part of the same it absolutely is it's a, it's a spine of geology basically that extends from kangaroo island crosses the crosses the strait and ends up um weaving its way through the mount lofty ranges up through to the flinders ranges and they and we, we were talking about hallett cove before you can find the a rock called the brachina formation at hallett cove and of course that's named after brachina gorge in the, in the flinders ranges the same rock unit that appears in Brachina Gorge, and you can find wandering along the shore platform at Hallett Cove. It's all part of the same system. So, so what do we know? We, we know that Australia is 
very, very old. Yes. And and even all, older than you. Even older than me. Even that. And and you're right. The six hundred million years ago is a long time, but it isn't. What are we? What does what does the geological stories within South Australia? tell us about the geological history of the planet and that's probably an answer that i could just go off and come back <laughs> and the podcast episode is over but but what 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 are, the, what are some of the key moments that we get to share with the world because of what we have here well we south australia is kind of like the sweet spot if you like between the very old western shield of australia as we know it so you can almost consider Australia to be broken up into thirds. The western third is, as we call Archean, the very earliest part of Earth's history. Then you have this kind of um, middle zone, which we have in, in South Australia and Northern Territory, that incorporates a bit of the old and a bit of the young and, and the transition between those two. And then everything in the eastern uh, side of Australia is much, much younger. So only within the last 300 million years or so. Yeah. You know, uh, you know just a, a blink of the eye, geologically speaking. But, but you can, you really can subdivide the country into those three different portions. And we, uh, in my view anyway, and many of the other local geologists would agree, I think, have that perfect combination of we see some of the young stuff, we see some of the old stuff. We have a nice mix between all of that. And that includes, you know, things that date back to three or four billion years old that we have still preserved, plus the very, very recent evolution of Earth's climate and the, and the, the critters that, that wandered the Earth and that sort of thing that we also have preserved in the South Australian landscape. So, um, you know, everything from glaciers to um, to meteorite impacts to snowball earth um, and everything in between. We've got it, basically. Uh, and, and I'm thinking about um, Hallett Cove and just to create a, a, an image for, for listeners in terms of what it would have been like if you uh, picture uh, Mount Everest and the Kumbu Glacier and, and the glacial lakes around the Himalayas. That, that was here. Maybe not quite that much topography, but yeah, kind not, of not as quite a mental as tall, image, but that, yes. that, that, that kind, that, that's, I guess, a, a similar yeah, well, it, it, mental image. It was image. at the South Pole. Hallett Cove was at the South Pole. So, so you, you, you can picture you know, an, an Antarctic-like landscape. Yes, absolutely. Cold. Very, very cold. Frigid. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, sitting on the table here is the skull of my favourite Australian megafauna animal, thigh like a Leo. And I've, just, I've spent a few days recently in, in um, Narracourt. Um, and and Narracourt is part of what's known as the limestone coast. Yes. Um, and I often describe limestone or fossils like like a thylacoleo fossil which you find in limestone is a fossil within a fossil is i mean so what what's limestone what what do we know about that area because it it has also been under the sea fairly recently yes yeah well it's got a beautiful record of of, of past sea level change exposed well the kurong is the classic example right if you look at an aerial image of the kurong you can see these things that we call strand lines, which are basically just beautifully curved segments of what are stranded um, coastlines of Australia. And, and if you follow them, they just inch their way further and further inland um, in response to those changes in sea level over time. So we can actually 
very accurately map out where Australia's past coastline was by looking at these these easily identifiable stranded coastlines that that you literally you fire up Google Earth you can see them they're that obvious. My approach actually as an educator has often been I want to change your worldview. I want to I want to corrupt you so much so that when you walk down your you know in our case even something like a street in the city where there's a whole bunch of building stones laid around. I, I want you to walk through that street now looking at the rocks on the ground, looking at the statues, looking at these sort of things and interpreting them, walking along your beach and thinking about erosion, thinking about climate change, thinking about all these things instead of I'm just I'm just wandering around kind of not absorbing the natural phenomena that are around you. I really, my aim is actually to make it difficult for you to not notice these things. Because all of it is stories. For sure, yeah. There are all of those things around you in stories. And I remember going to Arcarola as part of uh, at the end of a National Science Week tour that I did a few years ago. Um, I'd, be, I'd finished at Parachilna and I thought, oh, I might just duck up to Arcarola because you're in the neighbourhood. Um, that's an Australian thing. It's still a few hundred kilometres, but, you know, <laughs> that, that's what we and do And it's all here. unsealed, yeah. And it's all unsealed dirt road and stuff. Um, but... I got there and there were a couple of um, the, the two Steves, as they were known, yes. um, geologists from South Australia. Um, one of them is now mostly, Steve Hill's mostly based in Canberra. And I went for a stroll with them on the Monday. I got there for Sunday dinner with, with, with Doug Sprigg, and, and uh, that's a famous Arkarula in South Australian, an Australian name. And. And the two Steve's were there and said, oh, look, we're going to go out for a bit of a walk tomorrow. I mean, that was my first mistake. I thought it was just a couple of hours we were going to be strolling. No, probably 20 to 25 k's minimum, I would but guess. But it was, it was, but as we walked, it was like walking through a storybook with the with with people who knew how to read the words of this storybook that was in a language that I didn't know, but they knew the language and could translate it and were able to say, oh, this bit here, this shows us the glaciers that were here, I think, 100 million years ago. This shows us this. Wherever we went, they could fill in those details. So you want everybody to be able to do that? To, yeah, to an extent. You, you, you want them to... To, to just to open their eyes, basically, to what's there. It's always so much easier visiting, as you did, visiting these 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 fantastic natural laboratories. Really, is what they are, with someone to guide you through, someone that shows you this this fine detail, this little imprint, this set of relationships that just make the whole thing click, and and reveal so much depth that there is to 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 understand about it. And it it's it's one of the things I often talk to to folk about is the stories of the place in which you live. And so when I was in Narakot, we were talking about fossils like Thylacoleo that climbed trees and strolled and hunted where these Narakotians now live yeah so that you're living in the you know you're living amongst the shadows of the prehistoric past and i started off by talking about that idea of um the rocks remember and whether it's in the form of fossils or those other rock things <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are slightly hotter you mean the ones that are a little bit more deformed they uh yeah but 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 all of those rocks tell us things and i, and I suppose 
hanging out with the two Steves and 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 we've worked on some stuff, Tom. Like you 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 do look at a rock differently. Whether it's walking along the beach, every rock you look at got there somehow. Where well, it there's is. actually there's an awesome um, YouTube series called. Um, Every Rock Has a Story by, by a, a good friend of mine, Ethan Baxter, from Boston College in the US. And it's, and it's kind of pitched at primary school students, I guess. And, and well, a bit of everything, actually. It goes, it goes to high levels and that as well. But, but it, 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 it is fundamentally based on that premise that you can pick up a rock and start telling a story. And there are so many different diverse stories to tell. That, that series is phenomenal, I think, at unpacking you know, all of these fantastic things that are written in stone as we say so i mentioned i mentioned Arcarula, and for me of all the places that i've been to the the degree to which it really is a geological wonderland um what what matters about Arcarula? why, why is Arcarula so special well there's a host of reasons really i mean it's it's together with the rest of the Flinders, a remarkable record of the early phase of um, sedimentary deposition in, in what we know now as the Adelaide Rift Complex. So this is this beautiful package of sediments dating back to 600 million years ago that, as you know, record the first development of complex life, the, the first predators that, have, that appeared on planet Earth, you know, the Cambrian explosion and so on, and all of the, all of the changes to climate, to the evolution of animals and so on that they're beautifully preserved and and intact basically this this almost complete record from 600 million years ago you know stepping its way year by year by year as these things sort of evolved and it's because it's now beautifully tilted on its side originally it would have been laid as a layer cake kind of every horizontal layer packing itself one on top of the other but because of the deformation that produced the Flinders Ranges it's now tilted on its side almost vertically and so as you walk up and down places like Brachina Gorge and Bunyaroo Gorge that, um, that dissect these things, you are walking forwards and backwards in time. And so Arcarula continues that record of, of these sediments, but then adds the older part of the history as well, because it's got the, what we call the basement, so the older rocks that those sediments were deposited on. It's got that record in there as well. Um, and it's got a lot of um, modern um, history as well, because it's still an active geothermal field. So the, the really remark from my... We're going to talk about non-paleontological things here for a moment, sorry. Um, All right, well, there is an edit button, off. but yes, yeah. Do go on, yeah, yeah. So uh, the remarkable thing about the, the, um, the ancient rocks in Arcarula is they are quite literally the hottest rocks on the earth. So they have concentrations of naturally radioactive elements, uranium, thorium, and potassium, at levels that exceed anything that we know of anywhere else on the, on the earth. And so they are still super hot, you know, and they are producing active geothermal systems because of how much latent heat is left behind by these rocks. So we have everything from the ancient record all the way to the modern day with these sort of geological phenomena continuing. It's, it's an amazing area. So if you're going to study geology and go out into the field, come to South Australia. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, but, but yes... We need to spread that word. Come, come to this place. Um, the other interesting thing about the Flinders Ranges, of course, is that there are, there are bits of stuff that were hurled up into the air from just over the way in the Gawler Ranges yes. Yes, that was. landed 
in the Flinders Ranges. Tell us, what on earth am I talking about? So the Ackerman Impact Event. So about 550 million years ago, we had quite a large object um, impact the Earth. So probably one of the biggest meteorites that has ever hit planet Earth. And it just so happened to land in a place called Lake Ackerman in the Air Peninsula. Um, of Australia and Lake Ackerman is still there it's still a depression that is now covered by Salt Lake um, in the, and ringed by the Gawler Ranges as you mentioned which still um, preserve the deformation and many of the other impact features that were produced like high pressure quartz and um, deformation twins and so on that, that are still preserved microscopically in the rocks that are preserved there and of course all of that material that was poofed out of the ground basically but by the impact has to go somewhere a lot of it ended up in the atmosphere and would have would have completely blocked out the sky for 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 many many a year basically as as all of this all of the aerosols and all of the debris was kind of circling around the atmosphere but of course some of it also rained down um, and much of it ended up in the flinders and is preserved in this layer that we call the ejector horizon it's if you're in um, if you're in one of the units of the, the sedimentary rocks in the Flinders Ranges, you kind of walk up and down, you know, where it's exposed and it's all kind of fairly fairly vanilla, kind of what you'd expect, you know, a, a shale as it is. Um, and then all of a sudden everything changes. The colour of the rock changes, the composition of the rock changes, the chemistry of the rock changes, all because of this debris that fell out and was tacked on to the top. And then... And this is this period of tumult, basically, in the, in the, in the Earth um, system that occurred because of that meteorite impact. And then eventually, of course, that all subsides and things calm down again and the sedimentary record resumes and it kind of goes back to the way it was. So you've got this little blip in the rock record that re- represents an incredible period of catastrophic change in the Earth system. And it's there in the rocks. So as a geologist, when you, 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 you're doing that thing of reading the rocks... Um, and you see those sudden changes. Is that like a hallelujah moment? Oh, for sure. I mean, and there's there's a fantastic story about um, the discovery of, of this ejector horizon, actually. But two two people working independently. Um, so so Vic Goston and Peter Haynes, for example, um, were working on the sedimentology of the of the um, the Flinders, um, identifying these sort of features. Found the horizon. Had no idea where the meteorite was. And George Williams was working at the same time in the Air Peninsula looking at the impact, but had no idea where the, where the ejector was. And the two, two of them got together, the two teams got together, I guess, and put two and two together. And that's that. And they go, hang on there. a minute, this is, that's this. And- yeah. So, so independently, they, they'd made, had that eureka moment of, I found a meteorite, you know, impact site. You know, that's incredible. The record that I'm able to read from the rocks there. And, um, Independently from that, another crew looking at the sedimentary record and seeing the fallout of that um, and recognising that eureka moment as well. And then through the beauty of science, I guess, and, and the, the, the journey of discovery that those two teams went on, matching it all together and coming up with a hypothesis, and now we are where we are today with, with this whole story of the Ackerman impact. I've got to tell you, dear listeners, that uh, uh, when, when Tom's talking about geology, it's almost like this is twinkling in his eyes. It's this, this... Uh, and, and at what point, coming back to stuff we were talking about earlier, when you were doing, when you, you were doing the Bachelor of Science and you, oh, geology, when, when did that twinkle... <laughs> when did the twinkle appear that you've just you become so... Or does it sneak up on you? You become 
so passionate about the thing. It's like, and I'm like that with a few things, but telling prehistoric paleontological stories is clearly, in my case, yeah. that thing. You know, I love that thing of talking to folk about, you know, what lives, what lived where you now live, and being able to talk about a thylacoleo or a um, Australovenator or whatever. Did it? Did, did it? Did you suddenly wake up one morning <laughs> and you suddenly realised, yeah. after an accumulation of um, experiences, that oh my goodness, I've become that passionate guy yeah. about this thing. I, I think it happened pretty early on, uh, the initial sort of interest, I guess. But the real, the real moment, I think, was probably being in the field in the Flinders. So there's a there's a second year field trip that the students go on as part of the um, the geology degree at Adelaide to Pitchy Ritchie in the Flinders Ranges and you have about I think at the time it was about a week or 10 days kind of in the field a really intense learning experience but but you're in the you're in the landscape for that entire period you're trudging up and down the hills every day learning stories hearing from these these other um, geologists that have made it their life's passion to do what what is now my passion as well and and it's so it's such a an intense but rewarding experience to be surrounded by people just focused on one thing, and that's trying to understand the stories of the landscape, documenting, documenting it with, with producing a map and a report and these sort of things um, that, are, that are part of the exercise. But fundamentally, it's about discovery in the landscape, talking about the landscape, being immersed in the landscape, and, and just being surrounded by that whole environment for that intense period is so captivating it's so instrumental i think in, in converting people to geology it's so critical and and i guess when when you you go somewhere new or somewhere uh, or, or when you're walking through the streets of of adelaide or the suburbs you 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 can't unsee the things no. anymore can you no and and i mean that's that's by virtue of the the, the, the people that preceded me, all, all the educators I had, all the people that dragged me along as a, as a young student to, you know, to go to a quarry or a beach or a, or a, or a, or a set of hills or wherever it is. And, and with their insight and their understanding of the landscape, picking up a little bit here and a little bit there and progressively over time building up your own appreciation and understanding so that you can share it with others. And... It, it just, yeah, it just happens naturally, I guess, that you want to share these stories. They're, they, they're there to be told. Yeah, and, and speaking of sharing stories, we, we've got time just to, 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 to touch on one thing that, that we worked on. Yes. Um, and that's a 360 uh, VR, Project Live. Yes. Um, tell us a little about that. So, yeah, so Project Live is an initiative we've had at the University of South Australia for, for about 10 years actually now. And one of our one of our projects that that we cross paths on, Michael, is is this one called 360 Flinders Ranges, which is actually an immersive VR experience to tell the story of why the Flinders Ranges is so special from a scientific, from a heritage, from a cultural perspective, I guess, in the context of the World Heritage nomination for that region. So we are in the midst in South Australia of assembling together with the state government, I guess, this this dossier this this statement which which outlines why the flinders are deserving of world heritage recognition and we saw an opportunity i think we to, should send them the podcast we, we, sh <laughs> we should absolutely we we saw an opportunity i guess using the, the the vr technology to to really convey to people authentically why the flinders is so special capture as much of it as we can 
to inspire people to learn more about it, to go and visit it, to see these things with their own eyes, and also open it up for those that, that may not ever get a chance to go and see it, you know, that for all sorts of reasons, either can't travel to the Flinders or even with their there can't, can't scale a big hill or, or whatever it is. We want everyone to have the opportunity to learn about the Flinders, be immersed in the Flinders, you know, see it from a perspective that is so important to understand and appreciate the significance of the landscape. So that's our project. That's, that's what is, is, you know, being shared as part of this event that we're here today to do. Um, and has involved you as, as one of the characters, I guess, that weaves the stories that we want to tell. Um, and because there is, yeah, one, the, 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 one of the parts that I was involved with was the Idiacra biota yes, stuff. Yep. And what's really cool about it, and, and, and I'll put a link in the, in the podcast notes, you can, go to, you can download this thing, and if you've got yeah, your own absolutely. VR goggles, you can, you can experience it yourself. Yes, and the Ediacaran um, experience is really the, the, the flagship, if you like. So modelling for the first time in three dimensions, the, a series of different Ediacaran um, biota, um, inserting them into a fully reconstructed Ediacaran seafloor environment where they, they, are, they are animated, they move, um, they give you a true sense of what that you know, 555 million year old landscape used to look like. And you can swim with these critters. You can you can wander through the ocean. You can pick up a thing or two about them and what they did by reading some in information about them as you go through. Um, and it's 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 yeah, it's the first time really that in an immersive VR environment, we have reconstructed what the Earth 550 million years ago actually was kind of like. And on that fantastic note, thank you so much, Tom, for your time no, my today. Pleasure, Michael. And um, look forward to uh, making more VRs with more stories. And, yes, I hope, very much and, hope so. Because, as we know, the rocks do remember, and it's our job to help ensure that everybody else remembers as well. Yes, couldn't agree more. Some paleo jazz